Hi, I'm Anna, and welcome to Read Talk Podcast. So, um, this is my first actual episode, or what do we call it, podcast? Episodes? Yeah, I think it's episodes. Um, and so I just got some books, so I'm gonna choose from one of them, and I chose The Hating Game by Sally Thorne, and we're just gonna see how this goes, and yeah, okay, so, The Hating Game, shall we read the back of the book? Oh my god, I don't, ah, I don't have a light to read the back of the book, alright, Lucy Hutton and Joshua Templeman hate each other, not dislike, not begrudgingly tolerate, hate and they have no problem displaying their feelings through a series of ritualistic, passive-aggressive maneuvers as they sit across from each other, executive assistants to co-CEOs of a publishing company. Lucy can't understand Joshua's joyless, uptight, meticulous approach to his job. Joshua is clearly baffled by Lucy's overly bright colors, clothes. You know, you'll find in this podcast that I'm not just some... Oh my god, I sound like a pick-me. Oh my god. I'm also 16, by the way, so, like, pick me. I'm not a pick me. I hope not, at least. Oh, my God. I sounded like a pick me that when I read that. <laughs> what is that? Oh, my God. Anyway. Anyway. So. What was I going to say? I totally forgot what I was going to say. Um. I was saying how, oh yeah, so I am a terrible reader, oh, I, I'm, no, I'm not a terrible reader, I'm terrible at reading aloud, and I feel like that's what makes this unique, honestly, because mostly you get just get people who are, like, just being like a robot, but that's not the point of this podcast i don't want to be a robot and honestly honestly i'm terrible like i said i'm terrible at reading aloud but the reason i'm doing this is because i want to feel like i'm not a we'll edit that part out um so this podcast is basically just me reading aloud and also having thoughts while reading aloud so I'll read a chapter, a podcast from a book, and then, yeah, well, but like, like it's not gonna be like a, an audio book. It's literally just gonna be me reading aloud, and terribly reading aloud, but talking my thoughts, speaking, speaking my thought, talking. I don't really know, speaking my thoughts while I'm reading this. So, anyway, let's get back to the back of the book. <laughs> Joshua's clearly baffled by Lucy's overly bright clothes, quirkiness, and Pollyanna attitude. Now, up for the same promotion, their battle of wills has come to a head, and Lucy refuses to back down when their latest game could cost her her dream job. But the tension between Lucy and Joshua ha- has also reached its boiling point, and Lucy is discovering that maybe she doesn't hate Joshua, and maybe he doesn't hate her either, or maybe this is just another game. 
and we start. So, let's see, let's see. Turning the page to the first, oh, dedication. In loving memory of Ivy Stone. Well, that's sweet. There's acknowledgements. I don't, honestly, I'm here for the story. Like, like props to who, what they're acknowledging. Like, love that. But I love stories. I don't really like, like, I use stories to escape, so. <laughs> anyway, chapter one, yay. I have a theory. Hating someone feels disturbingly similar to being in love with them. I've had a lot of time to compare love and hate, and these are my observations. That sounds like... Th you know what that sounds like? Like that Law & Order intro where it's like... Duh, 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 like, And these are their stories. <laughs> That's what it sounded like. Alright. Love and hate are... Visker... Visker... I can't pronounce that. Time to go to a dictionary. Let's see. V-I-S-C-R-A. Wait, C-E-R-A-L. Okay. Visceral. Visceral. All right. Love and hate are visceral. Your stomach twists at the thought of that person. The heart in your chest beats heavy and bright, nearly visible, though your flesh and through through your flesh and clothes your appetite and sleep are shredded every interaction spikes your blood with a dangerous kind of adrenaline and you're on the brink of fight or flight your body is barely under your control you're consumed and it scares you yeah i'd have to agree with that there's some people like that i absolutely have like i dislike them strongly i don't usually like to use the word hate but i dislike them strongly and I, I'd have to agree with this, because um, there's definitely people I love, and sometimes it scares me that I love them so much, so, yeah. Both love and hate are mirror versions of the same game, and you have to win. Why? Your heart and your ego. Trust me, I should know. It's early Friday afternoon. I'm imprisoned at my desk for another few hours. I wish I was in solitary confinement, but unfortunately, I have a cellmate. Each tick of his watch feels like another tally mark chipped onto the cell wall. We're engaged in one of our childish games, which requires no words. Like everything we do, it's dreadfully immature. Next page. The first thing to know about me. My name is Lucy Hutton. I'm the executive assistant to Helene Pascal, the CEO, the co-CEO of Bexley and Gammon. Once upon a time, our little Gammon bub publishing was on the brink of collapse. The reality of the economy meant people had no money for their mortgage repa mortgage repayments and literature was luxury. Bookstores were closing all over the city like candles being blown out. We braced ourselves for almost certain closure. At the 11th hour, a deal was struck with another struggling publishing house. Gammon Publishing was forced into an arranged marriage with the crumbling evil empire known as, known as Bexley Books, ruled by the unbearable Mr. Be Bexley himself. Each company stubbornly believing it was saving the other, they both ca <laughs> they both packed up and moved into their new marital home. 
Neither party was remotely happy about it. The Bexleys remembered their old lunchroom foods table with the sepia-tinted nostalgia. They couldn't believe that airy-fairy gammons had survived even this long with their lax adherence to key performance indicator targets and dreamy insistence on literature as art. The Bexleys believed numbers were more important than words. Books were units. Sell the units. High-five the team. Repeat. The gammons shuddered in horror, watching their boisterous new stepbrothers practically tearing pages out of, of their Brontes and Austins. How had Bexley managed to amass so many like-minded stuffed shirts, so far many suited to accountancy or law? Gammons resented, resented the notion of, of books as units. Books were, and always would be, something a little magic and something to respect. One year on, you can still tell at a glance with company which company someone came from by his or her physical appearance. The Bexleys are hard geometrics, and gam the gammons are soft scribbles. Bexleys move into shark packs. Move in- Ugh. Oh my god. Sometimes I add words to, like, books. Like, it's weird. Sometimes I add words to b what I'm reading, and it makes- no sense. Well, I mean, it makes sense in my mind, like, like, I just add the word too, so into this, you know, like, it, it didn't, but sometimes it doesn't make sense, and it's really weird to me. Yeah. Anyway, back to the book. Bexley's move in shark packs, talking figures and constantly hogging the conference rooms for their ominous planning sessions. Plotting sessions more like Gammons huddle in their cubicles, gentle doves in t clock towers, poring over manuscripts, searching for the next liter literary sensation. The air surrounding them is perfumed with jasmine tea and paper. Shakespeare is their pinup boy. The move to a new building was a little traumatizing, especially for the Gammons. Sorry. I had to burp, but I didn't burp. Of course. <laughs> Take a map of the city. Make a straight line between each of the old company buildings. Mark a red dot exactly halfway between them, and here we are. The new Bexley and Gammon is a cheap gray cement toad squatting on a major traffic route, impossible to merge onto in the afternoon. It's arctic in the morning shadows and sweaty in by the afternoon. The building has one redeeming feature. Some basement parking, usually snagged by early risers, or should I say, the Bexleys. Helene Pascal and Mr. Bexley had toured the building prior to move to the move, and a rare thing happened. They both agreed on something. The top floor of the building was an insult. Only one executive office? A total refit was needed. After a long hour- uh, an hour, Sometimes I switch words up, too. Like this says, after an hour long- Well, I said, after a long hour- <laughs> anyway, after an hour-long brainstorm that was filled with so much hostility, the interior designer's eyes sparkled with unshed tears. The only word Helene and Mr. Bexley could agree on to describe the new aesthetic was shiny. It was their last agreement, ever. The refit definitely fulfilled the design brief. The tenth floor is now a cube of glass, chrome, and black tile. You could pluck your eyebrows using any surface as a mirror, walls, floors, ceilings even our desks are made from huge sheets of glass and that video is my computer because it wants to be weird anyway back to the book again <laughs> wait how many pages are in this chapter 
So I'm on chapter four, or not chapter, I'm tired, wow. I'm on page four, so. And the end of the chapter is page 13. So, okay, that's not too bad. That's like nine pages. Maybe ten. Yeah. If we're including chapter four. If we're including page four. Yeah. Anyway, so far, i kind of bored. But I think it's just world building, you know? Like, the beginning of a book is always kind of boring. And, but that's mostly because of world building. But you, that's a vital part of writing a book and reading a book is you need that world. So, yeah. Oh, and page five. There's dialogue. Yes. All right. I'm focused on the great big reflection opposite me. I raise my hand and look at my nails. My reflection follows. I stroke through my hair and straighten my collar. I've been in a trance. I've, I'd almost forgotten I'm still playing this game with Joshua. I'm sitting here with a cellmate because every power-crazed war general has a second-in-command to do the dirty work. Sharing an assistant was never an option because it would have required a concession from one of the CEOs. We were each plugged in outside the two office doors and left to fend for ourselves. It was like being pushed into the Colosseum's arena only to find I wasn't alone. I raise my right hand again now. My reflection follows smoothly. I rest my chin on my palm and sigh deeply as it resonates and echoes. I raise my left eyebrow because I know he can't, and as predicted, his forehead pinches uselessly. Wow, uselessly. I've won the game. The thrill does not translate into an expression on my face. I remain as placid and expressionless as a doll. We sit here with our chins on our hands and stare into each other's eyes. Doesn't sound like hate to me. Who? <laughs> People who hate each other, right? Like, like, okay. So, it doesn't say like we stare and we glare into each other's eyes. No, they stare into each other's eyes. I'm probably reading too much. It not reading, reading too much. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> they. It doesn't say glare into each other's eyes. It says stare into each other's eyes. So they don't hate each other. <laughs> I'm never alone in here. Sitting opposite me is the executive assistant to Mr. Black, Mix, Mr. Bexley, his henchman and manservant. The second thing, the most essential thing anyone needs to know about me is this. I hate Joshua Templeman. He's currently copying every move I make. It's the mirror game. The casual observer, it wouldn't be immediately obvious. He's a, a, as subtle as a shadow, but not to me. Each movement of mine is replicated on his side of the office on a slight time delay. I lift my chin from my palm and swivel to my desk, and smoothly, he does the same. I'm 28 years old, and it seems I've fallen through the cracks of heaven and hell into purgatory, a kindergarten classroom, and asylum. I type my password. I hate Joshua forever. My previous passwords have all been variations about how much I hate Joshua. Forever. His passwords are most certainly I hate Lucinda forever. My phone rings. Julie Atkins from Copyrights and Permissions. Another thorn in my side. I feel like I'm plugging my phone and throwing it into an incinerator. Hello, how are you? I always put a little extra bit of warmth into my voice on the phone. Across the room, Joshua's eyes roll as he begins push, punish, punishing his keyboard. 
I have a favor to ask Lucy. I can almost mouth the next words as she speaks to, as she speaks them. I need an extension on the monthly report. I think I'm getting a migraine. I can't look at this screen any longer. She's one of those horrific people who pronounces it migraine. Oh, okay. I think I'm getting a migraine. <laughs> oh my god, that's so stupid. Of course, I understand. When can it? When can you get it done? You're the best. It'd be in by Monday afternoon. I ha I need to come in late. If I say yes, I have to stay late Monday night to have the report done for Tuesday's 9am executive meeting. Already next week sucks. Okay, my stomach feels tight. As soon as you can, please. Oh, and Brian can't get his in today either. You're so nice. I appreciate how kind you're being. We are all saying you're, you're the best person to deal with up there in exec. Some people up there are total nightmares. Her sugary words help ease the resentment a little. No problem. Talk to you Monday. I hang up and don't even need to look at Joshua. I know he's shaking his head. Alright, page six. Woo! Wow, I've been at this for like 15 minutes. That's that's pretty good for me. I, I usually don't focus that much, especially like because I've never done a podcast before. And like, yeah. After a few minutes, I glance at him and he's staring at me. Imagine it's two minutes before the biggest interview of your life, and you look down at your white shirt. Your peacock blue fountain pen has leaked through your pocket. Your head explodes with, obscene, with an obscenity in your stomach and is, and a, is a spike of panic over the simmering nerves. You're an idiot and everything's ruined. That's the exact color of Joshua's eyes when he looks at me. I wish I could say he's ugly. He would be a short, fat troll with watery eyes. A limping hunchback. Warts and, no, warts and zits. Yellow yellow cheese teeth and onion sweat but he's not he's pretty much the opposite more proof there's no justice in this world my inbox pings i flick my eyes abruptly away from joshua's non ugliness and notice helene has sent a th has sent through a request for budget forecasting figures i open up last month's report for reference and begin i doubt this month this month's outlook is going to be much of an of an improvement. God, I can't read. I like I, I can read, but like reading aloud just it's so weird to me. Like, I mean, it's not weird to me. Like, I love reading aloud, but I cannot. Like, I stutter over my words and stuff. I don't know how I do this. Um, where was I? The publishing industry is sliding further downhill. I've heard the word restructure echo echoing a few times around these halls, and I know where that leads. Every time I step out of the elevator and see Joshua, I ask myself, why don't I get a new job? I've been fascinated by publishing houses since pivotal field trip since a pivotal field trip when I was eleven. I was already pas passionate a passionate devourer of books. My <laughs> My life revolved around the weekly trip to the town library. I'd borrow the maximum number of titles allowed, and I could identify individual librarians by the sound of their shoes made, by the sound of their shoes made as they moved up each aisle. Until that field trip, I was hellbent on being a librarian myself. I'd even implemented a cataloging system for my own personal collection. It, I was such a little book alert, book nerd. Before our trip to the publishing house, I've never. I never thought much about how a book came 
to actually exist. It was a revelation. You could be paid to find authors, read books, and ultimately create them. Brand new covers and perfect pages with no dog ears or pencil note annotations. My mind was blown. I loved new books. They were my favorite to borrow. When my parents... I told my parents when I got home, I'm going to work at a publisher when I grow up. It's great that I'm fulfilling a childhood dream, but if I'm being, but if I'm honest, at the moment, the main reason I don't get a new job is I can't let Joshua win this. As I work, all I can hear is, are his machine gun strokes and the faint whistle of air conditioning. He occasionally picks up his calculator and taps on it. I wouldn't mind betting Mr. Bexley has also directed Joshua to run the forecasting figures. When the two co-CEOs can march into battle armed with numbers that may not match, the ideal fuel for their bonfire of hatred. Excuse me, Joshua. He doesn't acknowledge me for a full minute. His keystrokes intensify. Beethoven on a piano has nothing on him right now. What is it, Lucinda? Not even my... Wait, no. I gotta do the voice. What is it, Lucinda? Not even my parents call me Lucinda. I clench my jaw, but the guilt... The guiltily... But then guiltily release my muscles. My dentist has begged me to make a conscious effort. Are you working on the forecasting figures for next quarter? He lifts both of his hands from his keyboard and stares at me. No. I let out a half lungful, lungful of air and turn back to my desk. I finished those two hours ago. He resumes typing. I look at my open spreadsheet and count to ten. We both work fast and have reputations for being finishers. You know, the type of working, the worker who completes the nasty, too hard tasks everyone else avoids. I prefer to sit down with people and discuss things face to face. Joshua is strictly email. At the foot of his emails is always, regards, Jay. Would it kill him to type regards, Joshua? It's too many keystrokes, apparently. He probably knows offhand how many minutes a year he spent, he's saving B and G. We're definitely... We're evenly matched, but we are completely at odds. I try my hardest to look corporate, but everything I own is slightly wrong for B&G. I'm a gammon to the bone. My lipstick is too red. My hair is too unruly. My shoes click too loudly on the tile floors. I can't seem to hand over my credit card to purchase a black suit. I never I never had to wear one at gammon, and I'm stubbornly refusing to assimilate with the Bexleys. My wardrobe is nets and retro, a sort of cool librarian chic, I hope. It takes me 45 minutes to complete this task. I race the clock, even though numbers are not my forte, because I imagine it would have taken Joshua an hour. Even in my head, I compete with him. Thanks, Lucy, I hear Helen call faintly from behind her shiny office door when I send a document through. I recheck my inbox. Everything's up to date. I check the clock, 3.15 p.m. I check my lipstick in the reflection of the shiny wall tile near my computer monitor. I check Joshua, who's glowering at me with contempt. I stare back. We are now playing the staring game. I should mention that the ultimate aim of all our games is to make the other smile or cry. It's something like that. I know. I'll know when I win. I made a mistake when I first met Joshua. I smiled at him. My best sunny smile with all my teeth and my eyes sparkling with stupid optimism that the business merger wasn't the worst thing to ever happen to me. His eyes scanned me from the top of my head to the soles of my shoes. I'm only five feet tall, so it didn't take long. When he looked over, away out the window he did not smile back and somehow i feel like he's been carrying my smile around in his breast pocket ever since he's no he's one up after our initial poor start it only took a few weeks for us to succumb to our 
mutual hostility, like water dripping into a bathtub. Eventually, it began to overflow. I yawned with my hand. I yawned behind my hand and looked at Joshua's breast pocket resting against his left pectoral. He wears an identical business shirt every day in a different color. White, off-white stripe, cream, pale yellow, mustard, baby blue, robin's egg blue, dove gray, navy, and black. They're worn in their unchanging sequence. Incidentally, my favorite of his shirts is the robin's egg blue, and my least favorite is mustard, which he's wearing now. All the shirts look fine on him. The, all colors suit him. If I wore mustard, I'd look like a cadaver. But there he sits, looking as gold-skinned and healthy as ever. Mustard today, I observe. Why why do I poke the hornet's nest? Just can't wait for baby blue on Monday. He looks. The look he gives me is both smug and irritated. You notice so much about me, Shortcake, but I can't. But can I remind you that comments about parents are against the B&G human resources policy? Ah, the HR game. We haven't played this one in ages. Stop calling me Shortcake or I'll report you to HR. We can keep a log on each other. On the other, I can only assume he does. He seems to remember all my transgressions. Mine is a password-protected document hidden on my personal drive, and it journals all the shit that has ever gone between, gone down between Joshua Templeton, Templeman and me. We have each complained to HR four times over this past year. He's received a verbal and written warning about the nickname he has for me. I've received two warnings, one for verbal abuse and for a juvenile prank that got out of hand. I'm not proud. He cannot seem to formulate a reply, as, and we resume staring at each other. Alright, so, like, there's, like, a break, and then, like, alright, so, page break. Yeah, that's what it's called, a page break. So, we're on chap, we're on page, I keep saying chapter when I'm at the page, so, we're on page 10, and so far, they love each other. They do. Everybody knows it. My finances are something like this. I'm about to walk 25 minutes from B&G to pick up my car from Jerry, the mechanic, and melt my credit card to, to within one inch of its maximum limit. Payday comes tomorrow, and I will pay the credit card balance. My car will ooze more oily, dark stuff all weekend, which I will notice by the time Joshua's shirts are white, white of a are the white of a unicorn's flank. I called Jerry. I returned the car and s subsist on the shoestring budget. The shirts get darker. I've got to do something about that car. Joshua is currently leaning on Mr. Bexley's doorframe. His body fills most of the doorway. I can see this because I'm spying via a reflection on the wall next to near my monitor. I hear a husky, soft laugh, nothing like Mr. Bexley's donkey bray. I rub my palms down my forearms to flatten the tiny hairs. I will not turn my head to see to try to see properly. He'll catch me. He'll, he always does. And then I'll get a frown. The clock is grinding slowly toward 5 p.m., and I can see thunderclouds through the dusty windows. Helene left an hour ago. One of the perks of being co-CEO is working the hours of a school child and delegating everything to me. Mr. Bexley spends longer hours here because his chair is way too comfortable, and when the afternoon sun slants in, he tends to doze. I don't mean to sound like Joshua and I are running the top floor, but frankly, it seems like it, it feels like it, it feels like it sometimes. The finance and sales team report directly to Joshua, and he filters the huge amounts of data into a bite-sized report that he spoon-feeds to a struggling red-faced Mr. Bexley. 
I have the editorial, corporate, and marketing teams reporting to me. And each month, I condense their monthly reports into one for Helene. And I'm supposed to spoon-feed it to her, too. I spiral-bind it so she can read it when she is on her on the stepper. I use her favorite font. Every day here is a struggle. Or, every day here is a... Where did I get struggle from? I just said... It's, the word is challenge. Wow. Every day here is a challenge, a privilege, a sacrifice, and a frustration. But when I think about every little step I've taken to be here in this place, starting from when I was 11 years old, I refocus, I remember, and then I endure Joshua for a little longer. I bring homemade cakes to my meetings with the division heads and they all adore me. I'm described as worth my weight in gold. Joshua brings bad news to his divisional meetings and his weight is measured in the other substances. Mr. Bexley stumps past my desk now, briefcase in hand. He must shop at Humpty Dumpty's Big and Small Menswear. How else could he find such a short, broad suit? He's balding, liver-spotted, and rich as sin. He, his grandfather started Bexley Books. He loves to remind Helene that she was merely hired. He is an old de degenerate, according to both Helene and my own private observations. I make myself smile up at him. His first name is Richard. Fat little dick. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm immature. Of course I am. No, also I know someone named Richard, so... Yeah, but but the descriptions are not the same. The Richard I know is very nice. Good night, Mister Bexley. Good night, Lucy. He pauses at my desk to look down, to look down the front of my red silk glass. I hope Joshua passed on the copy of the glass darkly I picked up for you, the first of the first. <laughs> Fat little Dick has a huge shelf filled with every B and G release. Each book is the first off the press. The traditional, the tradition started by his grandfather. He loves to brag about them to visitors, but once I looked at the shelves and the spines, and the but once I looked at the shelves and the spines weren't even cracked. You picked it up, eh? Mister Bexley orbits around to look at Joshua. You didn't mention that, Doctor Josh. That little dick probably calls him Doctor Josh because he's so clinical. I heard someone say that when things got particularly bad at Bexley Books, Joshua masterminded the surgical removal of one third of their workforce. I don't know how he sleeps at night. As long as you get it, it doesn't matter, Joshua replies smoothly, and his boss reminds that remembers that he is the boss. Yes, yes. He chuffs and looks down my top again. Good work, you pair. He gets into the elevator as I look down my shirt. All the buttons are done up. What could he even see? I glance up at the mirrored tiles on the ceiling, and I can faintly see a tiny triangle of shattered cleavage. If you buttoned it any higher, we couldn't. We wouldn't see your face, Joshua says uh, to his computer screen as he logs off. Perhaps you could tell your boss to look at my face occasionally. I also log off. He's probably trying to see your circuit board or wondering what kind of fuel you run on. I shrug on my coat, just fueled by my hate for you. Joshua's mouth twitches once, and I nearly ha had him there. I watch him roll down a neutral expression. If it bothers you, you should speak to him. Stand up for yourself. So painting your nails tonight, desperately alone? Lucky guess on his part? Yes. Masturbating and crying into your pillow tonight, Dr. Josh? He looks at the top button of my shirt. Yes. And don't call me that. I saw down a bubble of laughter. We jostle each other in an unfriendly way as we get into the elevator. He hits B, but I hit G. Hitchhiking? Cars at the shop. I step into my ballet flats and tuck my heels into my bag. Now I'm even shorter. In the dull polish of the elevator doors, I can see 
that I barely come halfway up his bicep. I look like a chihuahua next to a Great Dane. The elevator door is open to the building foyer. Foyer? Foyer? I don't know. They, <laughs> the world outside B&G is a blue haze, refrigerated cold, filled with rapists and murderers and lightly sprinkling rain. A sheet of newspaper blows past right on cue. He holds the elevator door open with one enormous hand and leans out to look at the weather. Then he swings those dark blue eyes at me, his brow beginning to crease. The familiar bubble forms in his head. I wish he was my friend. I burst it with a pin. I'll give you a ride, he forces out. Ugh, no way. I say over my shoulder and run. Okay. That was the end of chapter one. So... Gotta say that was actually really good. Like, world building? Yeah, definitely good. But the story was pretty good, pretty good, pretty good. Um, so chapter two is next in the next episode. And I hope you enjoyed this episode. And yeah, thank you for listening. Um, have a good day.